Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. Thank you so much for subscribing to this channel. Please make sure that you like the video you've just watched and consider making a contribution on our app or on our website. It's really easy to do. And thank you in advance for that support. It does make a difference. One of the things that has always been very important to me about our teaching and unity, and this is one of several areas where we split ways, if you will, with mainline Christian Christianity, which is what I grew up with, but we depart in that we believe in unity, that we are born in original blessing. And when I hear that line in Denise Rosier's song, it reminds me of that, that we are born in original blessing, all that is good, above and below. You are that, I am that. And what a gift we would give the world if we really treated one another in that way, and especially if we really approached in all ways our young people with that and helped them to see that in themselves, it would really transform our human culture, our human society. And I think in a way it links with what we've been talking about this month as we've been exploring in part Amanda Owen's book, The Power of Receiving, that in order to really benefit from the truth with a capital T that we are born in original blessing, we must receive that. We must not just take it in mentally, but we must receive that in our, the very core of our being. It doesn't mean that we don't have rough spots. It doesn't mean that there isn't room for improvement. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. We do make mistakes. We do have rough spots. There is room for improvement. But the essence of who and what we are is good is holy, is an original blessing. And we need to receive that for ourselves, and we need to see that in and for others. So in this exploration throughout this month, we have been exploring the idea that giving and receiving is a flow, that it's really two sides of the same coin. For the first three weeks, we really focused on the idea of receiving which in a way is the opposite of what we usually do with that teaching. Usually with that teaching, not just in church or in faith communities, but in our very culture, we focus on the giving part, right? We focus on the, you know, God loves a cheerful giver, that we are to give until it hurts. We've got some of those messages going on in our society to the exclusion sometimes of the realization that if it is an ebb and flow, if it is two sides of the same coin, then we also need to take a look at what it means to receive. And so we've been focusing on that for these past several weeks. We'll be tying that up today, and we'll be looking at the giving aspect as well, because both are equally important. And it's not that we want 50% of the world to be givers so that 50% of the world can be receivers. It's not that. What is it? It's we're trying to find that balance where? Oh, you're very quiet this morning. We're trying to find that balance inside of ourselves, right? And hopefully over these weeks of, of coming to church or listening to the broadcast and reading, reading the book, you've gotten some insights into yourself. 
You know, where, where and how do you usually operate? Is it hard for you to receive? Do you downplay receiving? Do you think, oh, I'm not worthy of that? Or do you, oh, no, 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 no that's okay. I, I, I don't need that. Or somebody pays us a compliment and we can't or we don't accept it. So hopefully you had some insights there. A congregant shared with me why it is so much more difficult to be a receiver than a giver. See if you can relate to this comment a congregant made. Well, of course it's more difficult to be a receiver than a giver. When we are the giver, we are in control. But when we're the receiver, we are not. And not being in control is much harder for most of us. Can you relate to that at all? Yeah, let me read it to you again. Well, of course it is more difficult to be a receiver than a giver. When we are the giver, we are in control. But when we are the receiver, we are not. And not being in control is so much harder for most of us. So right there, we've got a little nugget that we can work with inside of ourselves, right? Because there's a certain connection between this idea of maybe why. It's a little bit hard for us to receive. And I think in large part it has to do with we've got some, we're using some words imprecisely. And that's what I want to spend a little bit of time on this morning. I want to talk to you about the difference between takers and receivers. Externally, they can look the same. A taker and a receiver, externally, it can look the same, but it's not the same. And I also want to talk a bit about the difference between doers and givers, a point that Owens brings out in her book, that there's a difference between doers and givers. And externally, it can look the same. It's not what it is on the outside. It's what's motivating it from within. And then we'll wrap it up with what does it mean to, to be giving as a divine expression, as a divine quality? So takers versus receivers. Now just think about that for a moment. Taker, receiver. Just turn that over in your own mind and just notice whatever, if you were giving this lesson, if I handed you the mic and I said, come up here and you tell me what goes on when, when, I, when you think of the word taker and you think of the word receiver. That's what I want you to pay attention to inside of yourself right now, okay? Well, as I was doing this, last night and thinking about takers and receivers. I came up with a list of words for takers, and I came up with a list of words for receivers. And I'm going to share them with you. You can try them on for size, but what's most important is you kind of notice what you resonate with. Takers usually are operating internally from a feeling of lack and fear. That's why they're taking, because they feel like something's not there, and i got to fill that emptiness, and that's coming from an experience of lack and fear. Whereas receivers are coming from an experience of abundance and trust. Abundance and trust. Abundance, the realization we live in an opulent universe. Receivers, abundance and trust, takers. Sometimes what's motivating a taker is greed. There's, not, I, there's never the feeling of enough. No matter what I get, it's not quite what? Enough. That's what's at the basis of, of greed. Receiver, on the other hand, is operating much more from the experience of gratitude, of feeling full, right? Takers grabbing, grasping. Receivers 
accepting, welcoming. Takers often experiencing a sense of separation, separate from the other, separate from their perceived good. Receivers, on the other hand, the feeling of unity or the feeling of oneness or the feeling of connection. Here's another. Takers tend to be very self-absorbed. Receivers, mutually aware. You get a feel for possible way of looking at these. Externally, externally, it can, by appearances, look exactly the same, right? But what we know in our spiritual practice and in our spiritual teaching is the most powerful influence is what's going on within. The energy, the motivation, the consciousness from which we are doing or not doing. And so even though from a judgmental, looking from the outside in perspective, these things can appear to be the same, they're fundamentally very different. Very, very different. So a question for us, just to observe, and to observe not with self-recrimination and judgment, but to observe ourselves with a sense of authenticity, vulnerability, and, um, and curiosity. How do I show up with most of the people most of the time? How do I show up? How do you show up in your life with most of the people most of the time? Are the feelings and experiences of lack and fear and greed or grabbing or grasping, separation, self-absorbed, more operative in you? If so, there's probably quite a little bit of room for improvement there. And again, it's just to notice. I was giving this quite a bit of thought, as I said. You know, I always prepare my my messages months in advance. And then my routine for all the years I've been in ministry is I grab my lesson on Monday morning of the one I'm going to give on Sunday, and I just read what I've written quietly to myself so that every single day I'm taking that in and just kind of thinking about it. And then often on Friday and always on Saturday, I spend a little bit of time and think, hmm, is there anything more? Is there anything going on in me or in my life or in the church that might fit here? And as I was thinking more about this, and it's this is not a a concept she brings out in her book, I was thinking about the difference between doers and givers, because she does talk about the difference between doers and givers, and I'll get to that in a moment. But what she doesn't say, and what came to me that I think is is helpful, is that doing is transactional. Giving is transformational. They're very different. It can look the same externally, but they're not the same. Doing is transactional. Giving is transformational. And there's a place for both. What came to my mind is a practice of tithing, and I hadn't intended on even bringing that up, but I am going to bring it up in a personal way. I can remember being taught the principle of tithing, and if you don't know what the principle of tithing is, it's rooted in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, and it has to do with the idea of giving 10% of everything that one receives to wherever one is spiritually nourished and fed. It is a principle that, in practice that's talked about in the New T- Old Testament and touched upon in the New Testament. It's also taught in a lot of prosperity teachings with the New, the new Thought Movement, Prosperity Plus, 4T Prosperity Program, lots of prosperity programs 
teach the practice of, of tithing. They teach the practice of tithing for the most part in what I would say is a transactional way. I tithe 10% to get, because in the scripture it says, give 10%, you'll get 100-fold. And so the mindset that's usually taught in connection with tithing is very much from the doing standpoint and from a transactional, I do to get. John and I and our family have been absolute tithers for decades. We tithe to where we are spiritually nurtured and fed. 10% right off the top have for many, 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 many years. But our practice, and it took me a long time to understand why I always was bothered by the teaching, tithe 10% to get more. It always bothered me. And it did because I don't think that that's what it's about. I don't think the principle, when understood spiritually, is transactional. I think the principle, when understood spiritually, is transformational. And I found myself many, many years ago finally being able to articulate to Wendy what the difference is. And to me, the difference is not tithing to get, but tithing to become. Externally, it looks the same. My check would be the same whether I'm doing it transactionally or transformationally. But the difference is what's going on inside of me and what the motivation is. And so I'm not here to teach tithing, although I think it's a practice that is a very valuable practice, but I'm here to use that as a very specific example of the difference between doing, which is transactional, and giving, which is transformational. And so this whole journey that we've been on, as we've been exploring for the last three weeks, mostly the side of receiving, we do want to take a look at the side of giving. But the beauty and the depth of what she teaches in her book is that too often we are doing and we're not actually giving. We're doing and we're not actually giving. And that's why we can feel depleted, why we can feel like this doesn't work, my life isn't getting any better, I feel taken advantage of, I feel empty, I just keep, we think we're, do, we're giving, but we're doing. Here's the way she writes about it. People who do are not energized or emotionally fulfilled by their interactions, but those who give experience their connection and have deeply and mutually fulfilling transactions. Doing for is an experience of separation. Just take that in for a moment. If you're taking notes, you might want to write that down and just reflect on, on it on your own. She writes, doing for is an experience of separation. Giving to, on the other hand, is an experience of unity. Doing stems from a feeling of lack, while giving comes from a feeling of wholeness. Again, in my words, it's a difference between transactional and transformational. Externally, they can look the same, but internally, and then I believe the way in which the universe and others respond to us is very different, is very, very different. She suggests that there are th possibly three reasons why we might do rather than give, even though we maybe using the word give incorrectly, 
She says, here are three reasons we might be about doing rather than giving. We might do rather than give because we have an internal or external expectation about how we're supposed to behave. I would translate that very simply to say, we do to gain approval, to look good, to gain approval, to look good. What we can do for ourselves is to, to just increase our self-awareness and ask ourselves, when we're doing something for another, are we doing to or giving, are we doing for or giving to? Is it about whatever action I'm about to take, whether it's help, a compliment, a gift, is it to gain approval or is it something else? Is it for my own transformation and for the transformation and the blessing of the other. So she says, it can be because we have an internal or external expectation on how we should behave. Second, she says, is we might do rather than give because we're operating from an enabling paradigm. I think that that is largely about control, right? Like the congregant said, well, of course, it is harder to be a receiver. Of course it's easier to give, to be a giver because when you're a giver, you're what? In control, in the way that we, we typically use those, those words. So the author says we might do rather than give because we're operating from an enabling paradigm. We're operating from, from control. We are doing for the other that which they can and really ought to be doing for themselves. So we check in with ourselves when we're in this do, do, do cycle. What's really going on? And the third, she says, we might do for another rather than give to another because we expect to get something in return, right? And oh, that's, that's a tough one to look at inside of ourselves, isn't it? It really is. And, and the looking is important. We can look without being judgmental and harsh with ourselves. But to look and really ask, am I doing and, quote, thinking I'm giving because I'm expecting something in return? And again, if that's what's operating, it's a transaction. It's not a transformation. I believe that in our deepest spiritual practice, that whatever actions we are taking, that it is meant not for what, how do I want to say this? It is meant to grow us, that our life experience is meant to grow us. And that what that means then to me when I'm doing my best to operate from a generous heart, it means that I will give in a transformational way and I'm not attached to how the other person responds. And the moment I notice that there is a hook or an irritation or an upset because, well, that person didn't say thank you enough. That person wasn't appreciative enough. That person hasn't returned the favor. Then it's an eye-opening experience to stop and say, was that really giving? Is this making sense? And so it's, it's, again, it's not about being harsh on ourselves. We grow best, I think, with honesty, not hiding, from, not hiding ourselves from ourselves, with honesty and gentleness, 
but then with a very deliberate way that we want to show up, an improved way that we want to show up. So none of those things, to, to do to gain approval or to do to be into, in control or to do to get, is what giving really is all about. So then what is giving all about? I've already told you that I think it's about the action of personal transformation. But I also believe it's more than that. I believe that we are hardwired to connect with each other. I believe that we are hardwired to care for each other. I believe that we are hardwired with a spirit of generosity. And that that is either culturally or situationally dumbed down or turned down in us. But when we get to show up with who and what we really are at our core as spiritual beings, because we are that, then givingness, a generous heart, is a natural state. It means that there's that in us that opens up and wants to extend outward when we see that there's a need that somehow we can help to fulfill. Whether that need is physical help and support, whether that need is encouragement, whether that need is a something that we have that another person could use or needs, or whether that need is a financial that we see, ah, I've got more than enough time or talent or resources. It's to live, like John Wesley talked about, and I'm going to pair up, let's see, I wrote it again. Or did I write it again? Where did I put it? Shoot. Here it is. Because I love it, but I haven't memorized it. To do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you ever can. I think that's one of the best definitions of what it means to live with a generous heart. You know, and Jesus talked about it too. He talked about it when he said how we were to give. Do you remember his words? Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For the measure you give is a measure you will receive. Some of you may not be fully aware or maybe have forgotten your old Bible classes, if you, if you ever took any or had it in, in Sunday school, what Jesus was talking about when he said, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Can you get a visual of that in your head? Can you? How many of you have ever baked something where you needed to use flour? Raise your hand. Or seen somebody bake something where they needed to use flour? There's a process often where you have to shake the flour down. You want it to settle so you know you have a full measure, what Jesus was saying, because he lived in an agricultural society. And there was a lot of exchange, either bartering or exchange for what we would call money, that you don't cheat. And the way you don't cheat is you make sure if you are giving grain, if you are giving flour, if you are giving wheat, if you are giving barley, that you've shaken the heck out of that. And you have filled that thing completely before you give it. Because that wasn't always the practice. The practice was not. It was much more 
from greed, much more from lack, that you would fill it as lightly as you could. You wouldn't shake it down if you were the, the merchant. But he's saying that's not the way it works. Give and you will receive. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For the measure that you use will be the measure that you get. But again, and I'll close with this, I don't think he was speaking about it from a transactional way of being, but from a transformational way of being. And that is a deeper teaching of what it means to to really give and to live from a generous heart. So in this journey together, I hope that whether I've said something to you or you've read something in the book or I've paraphrased something for you, that you've had some kernels of truth, some ideas that you've been able to work with that will help you to do a better job, a more fulfilling job of living your life. Namaste. Namaste.